0: Black, 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 black What is up everybody? My name is James D. Fiori and this is black Um, we have been seeing case after case, I think over the last, I don't know how many years, 30 years, um, 40, you know, like as far back as you can go, we're, we're, we're going to see cases in the Canadian justice system that sort of fall under a category of a wrongful conviction, or maybe people who are completely evil that, you know, get it like a sweetheart deal. um, I started thinking about doing a show like this with, uh, with, with my co-host Rob Kaviklian, because I was watching, um, things sort of unfold in Canada and the United States, but mostly Canada that seemed to run counter to what justice is supposed to be. Um, the easiest example that I can think of, and maybe Rob can sort of set me straight about something because I, I run into a lawyer, like once every 10 years who will convince me of, of the attributes of uh not ever having any mandatory minimums. Um and the only thing that i can think of that that desperately needs them are things like uh pedophilia and stuff like that. And they always have really kind of like slap them on the wrist sentences. Um so we decided that we it would be fun to do a show. We're kind of doing an experiment. We're doing this on the fly in this in a sense just to see if we could come up with a way of really spotlighting some of those famous Canadian cases. And so the easiest one to think of off the top was this person, Carla Malka, uh, charming young lass <laughs> who, uh, who, um, I guess some people say gained the game, the system, uh, it, uh, she, she's obviously a serial killer. Like it, it's, it's so weird this case because she made a deal and after the deal was made, they found videotapes that basically contradicted a lot of the things that she said regarding her own involvement. And so we're going to try to unpack as much as we can and then take a look at it sort of from the standpoint of the justice system itself and why we did stuff like that. So, Rob Kaviklian, you are my co host. How are you, buddy?
1: how's it going everybody yeah i'm good james thanks for having me man um i'm really excited for this there's a myriad of cases in the criminal justice system that we can um you know get into here and and carla Homolka, i guess being the sort of the big we could do like a five-part episode on, on this one but well, you need a venn diagram for this case it's it's pretty bad um but just sort of dealing with some of the stuff that's gone on and and dealing with some of the, the really bad wrongful convictions is that's an avenue that I definitely want to explore here because there's been a lot of really bad. Um, I met a bunch when I was at law school and they're really, and all these, like surprisingly really nice and well-adjusted people, um, despite having spent like up sometimes decades in prison uh, for something they didn't do. Um, but yeah, no, I'm really excited for this. And, and this should be a fun little project. Um, and it should also help keep um, our, esteemed uh crown offices on their toes and and the police
0: um my system is frozen
1: <laughs> is it mine isn't is mine
0: <laughs> okay um we seem to still be here uh, the chat is disabled uh rob is gone and this is the magic of live podcasting everybody and then rob is back in how you doing rob
1: okay better i might be my internet might be yours who knows but we're gonna we'll power through this one tonight
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. First of all, as a defense attorney, what is it like in the rooms when you're trying to make a deal for a client that um, where the evidence looks pretty pretty bad against
1: them? Like, oh, for sure. What leverage do
0: you even have at that point?
1: Well, for once, you know, there's this overarching principle in the Canadian criminal justice system. Like, if everything went to trial, it would fall in on itself. So they don't want it. So so the crown is in that that so they want to make it a bit of a sweetheart deal in that they wanna make it light enough that your client doesn't actually want to go to trial. Because if they make it too tough, it's like screw it, just we're going to try anyway. Fuck it. Like, what's the point? Yeah. Because you have the right to a trial. So it's you might as well just if so if they're they're asking for the maximums, it's like, all right, fine, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make you do this the hard way. Right?
0: Yeah. And wasn't the, like, sorry, uh, wasn't the, <coughs> the Bernardo trial itself, like, that happens often, doesn't it? When two sort of co-conspirators and one turns against the other. Is it, is it ever like, you know, I've seen it in movies and then this case where it, it seems like one person that was like, like, they, they seemed kind of even, I don't know. The, 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 if you look at the details of the case, like, especially the publication ban stuff that you read in American publications, if you were savvy enough, yeah, you know. Two weeks after her sister died, she put a picture of her sister's face over her own while she had sex with Paul Bernardo. Yeah. And, like, that doesn't sound like the actions of a woman who's, like, traumatically upset. Like, you know, there was a whole um, series of newspaper articles that were basically diagnosing her as the same as Bernardo. Like, like she, she was just as depraved and psychotic and violent. And
1: I'm, 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 I am i i do not disagree uh, at all. Uh, the point is, is, is so that happens where it, this is the thing is that there are very few things as, um, you know, uh, there are very few things as satisfying as cross examining an admitted co conspirator, because one of the functions of a judge is to be yeah. a, a referee and to protect the witness. Um, the thing about it is, is you know, so on the one hand you, you, you so on the one side you have the polar opposite uh, is you know like a, a child witness. that's the definition of a vulnerable witness. When I'm doing that that you know mm-hmm. I'm on a short rope with the judge right like he's just waiting for me to screw up or or they are um, when it's a situation like uh, you know an admitted co-conspirator it's the polar opposite. Short of striking them on the stand, I can do whatever the hell I want in the courtroom. Like it, it's it's one of the most satisfying experiences as a lawyer I've ever had was when I was able to, to um, it was an armed robbery, and one of the guys who was actually like the the instigator for the whole thing flipped on the rest of them. And each three defense lawyers got to just Mm. take a run at this guy. Like for like, we sweated him on the stand for like five days. Um, But the thing about it is, is that a medical conspirator is what's, what's called a vetrovic witness. A vetrovic witness. It comes from a case name is that this this is a witness that's so unbelievable and such an unsavory character that you almost can't believe them. And so anything that they, uh, anything that they say has to be taken with a massive grain of salt to a jury. And then the judge has right. to instruct them on that.
0: Yeah, that's also true when their crimes include like manipulation and, and grooming and, and like you know like uh con man stuff and like what what did uh, uh Ted Bundy used to like walk around in a fake sling and crutches and shit like that, right? yeah. like he was yeah, just yeah. master manipulator. So um and yeah, oh, th- so Bundy, it's interesting. Like-
1: Oh, Ted yeah, Bundy was, if you, if you put him in a room at NASA, you should have, he should have been in a room at NASA building missiles. Like he was so intelligent. Um, yeah. Do
0: you he, think he was intelligent or do you think he was an actor?
1: No, he, he, they, they had like, he was, he's one of the most sort of mentally reviewed him and John Wayne Gacy were, mm-hmm. were two of the, are two of the most uh, like sort of psychoanalyzed serial killers of all time. Yeah. Um, and and like extreme intelligence.
0: Yeah, Ted Kaczynski would fall in that category, I think.
1: Oh, the Unabomber. It, I don't even know yeah. if he if he meets the the standard criteria for a serial killer, though. Um, well, I he know was he featured
0: kill- on a popular Netflix show that profiles serial killers.
1: Yes, yeah, so no, I, I understand be, right? that, yeah. but it's not the the standard MO.
0: Right. No, it isn't. Um, but he was reclusive and didn't uh, kill anyone close range. That was sort of like yeah. the difference in his thing. Um, so okay. I'm going to ask you questions like a layman, okay? And you're going to answer them uh, like a lawyer, but for a layman. Because I would like to know, the linchpin of this whole thing, the reason why Carla Homalka there's many reasons, but one of the main reasons why she's so controversial is because after she had made her deal, one of the lawyers magically found a bag of horrible evidence uh, in the form of videotapes of the the rapes and murders. Why is... our, our system set up in such a way where if something comes out, even if it's years later, that refutes the things that are, were, were agreed to, why isn't there an automatic sort of switch that says, well, this is obvious evidence. And that's why like, it's very protective towards people for, you know, um, for not giving them a fair trial and things like that. But isn't it more unfair to not include evidence that it clearly shows something like I, I, I I've never been able to understand
1: why that was. Yeah. And so, no, I, I completely understand that, you know, it's the thing about it is, is, is there is a notion, like, as I said before, there's this overarching principle that if all cases in the criminal justice system go to trial, the system would fall in on itself. It might still fall in on itself anyway. It's chronically underfunded. There's not enough crowns, not enough judges. Legal aid is chronically underfunded. It's just, it, you know, it's not good. I mean, it's a lot of people doing a lot of great work mm. under impossible circumstances. Um, like many, I mean, you know, look at our doctors, look at nurses, look at it's, it's, that's not the only industry um, or only public uh, service that is just completely uh, underfunded. Um, and that's part, part of the reason is, is, is that's not a hot button election issue for John Q taxpayer, right? And um, you know yeah. like nobody wants to hear more money for criminals like that's not you know that's not a big election ticket item right so it's it's constantly ignored cuz it's allowed to be by the electorate um hmm. you know the thing about it is is, is there so- still a
0: principle of of rehabilitation in this country or is yes. it is it really all punitive at this point
1: no there there is i mean in punitive. fact that's that's one of the things that's one of the weird things is if you um you know if you go to uh provincial remand center like uh maplehurst the toronto south uh uh hamilton wentworth we call it the barton bin um you know there's not much programming available to these guys there isn't but if no. if you go to the penitentiary your quality of life is much better you can get a degree there's a lot more programming available a lot more rehabilitation available good, you know good guys uh like it's or sorry it's a good uh you know it's it's a much better guys people get better in there whereas our provincial remand centers they're just finishing schools for criminal behavior they really are they you're just locked up 24 hours a day just hanging out with other guys and nobody's getting any better and so it's just you you come out much worse
0: yeah i you might not be able to answer this question but i've always sort of wondered why our jail systems were Places where violence could almost always easily occur. Like, does the state not have any responsibility to protect uh, prisoners from violence inside prisons?
1: Oh, no, they do. They do. Absolutely. I've got a civil lawsuit right now for them failing to do just that. Well, the guy had a medical emergency, so it's not violence. But there's a big class action going on about the, the Ottawa Carlton detention center right now because of the horrific uh, conditions that these guys were forced to live in. Uh, Heinen Hutchison is is doing it.
0: <coughs> Sorry. Yeah. I, uh, I actually know um, one of the guys that committed suicide in that prison a couple of years ago is a guy from a local community here. And uh, yeah, they were, uh, he was arrested because uh, public disturbance or something. He was schizophrenic. Everyone knew him. Everyone knew he was schizophrenic. And uh, they asked to take him to the mental hospital, and instead they took him to the uh, to the prison and he hung himself that night. So I don't know if he's part of the class action, but yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, no, and and this this is the thing is that it's it's the the conditions in the provincial remand centers are horrible, Um, and I'm not trying to shit on any of the guards or you know because there a lot of these people are trying to do really good work in there, but they're just they're it's not funded properly. They're not they're not equipped to handle. There's there's no training, there's or very little training in terms of um, rehabilitation for for the corrections officers. Uh, Their training is is Mm -hmm. you know force multiplier and all that kind of crap
0: yeah um okay we are um we are now uh thinking like let's fast forward to when she made the deal so she makes a deal for what 12 years of prison
1: 12 years she gets uh two counts of manslaughter convicted of um so here's the principle is that there's a, a in the criminal justice system, there's a move toward resolution of files, right? So that's why they have all these systems in place whereby, so you can't actually schedule a trial date until you have what's called a crown pre-trial. A crown pre-trial is, um, there are the steps that you have to take. So first is the CPT, the crown pre-trial. That's a meeting, an informal meeting between the defense and the crown. So they'll call you, um, or you call them and then you say, well, what's going on here? What are we doing with this? You know, um, what you know like what do you think should happen what do you think of the evidence like it's an informal discussion then from there notes are made and if it doesn't resolve there and the crown will normally give you a position and depending on the crown you know the younger crowns don't really have much leeway like they so they'll they'll just kind of take the party line yeah.
0: um okay and the attorney general the attorney general is the one that has the authority to make deals like uh, like the one that a homalka made, is that right?
1: Yes, that one would be a much higher level one. Um, yeah, so you have the I that Toronto would probably be involved, um, because it, again, that's a provincial crown matter, right? So there's provincial crown and federal crown. The federal crown, you're dealing with mainly drug prosecutions, but some of your obscure fisheries offenses, national parks offenses. Um, you know, uh, like, Oh God, a story when I was up at law school in Ottawa, um, these two little girls were still had a lemonade stand on the Rideau canal and they got fined by these Mounties and they wound up on the desk of the federal prosecutor in Ottawa. And it was like, (laughs) just ridiculous. But, um, yeah, like if you fuck up on the Rideau canal up in Ottawa, then, you know, you're, uh, uh, you know, you're in the federal jurisdiction. Um, seriously, I'm not. couldn't make that up. They put him in a cell between, beside like cigarette smugglers. and Yeah, shit. Like, yeah, basically. Um, yeah, and Tobacco Tax Act offenses, Income Tax Act offenses, that kind of stuff. You're, you're federal crown. Um, in, uh, in, um, so that would be provincial crown matter. So it would go through the Office of the Crown Attorney, but it wouldn't surprise me if Toronto got involved um, in something like the Homolka case because it was so high profile. And so um, I'm surprised he even had a jury at his trial. Should have been judge alone as far as I'm concerned. Um, How is that determined? It's only, it's uh, only the crown can make the application. And only if somebody is so notorious that they, there's, there's no way you could get a fair trial uh, or a a pool of 12 jurors plus two rotating triers um, out of the whole population of Canada. Okay. So the last person that happened for was Della Millar. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> he had a judge alone murder trial that was already after you right. had been convicted and yeah
0: okay and 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 is the idea that if you're a defense if you're a criminal defense attorney you want the jury right you don't want the judge
1: um depends but i i often a jury's a big card to play that you get to keep and it's 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 a good one to keep because it, it adds a lot of time onto a trial and they don't want you to have a jury so you, you can actually use it as leverage
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've read, I've been reading a lot lately about um, how a lot of, there's a lot of lawyers that go from um, being a uh, prosecutor to defense attorney or whatever, because they're, they're mad at, at certain things. And I, I'm not, I was always confused about why they'd be mad at like, um, why are people, why do people have a problem with mandatory minimums, for example?
1: Um, so mandatory minimums, they come from the United States. Think of California, think of Texas. Okay. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, all they've really done. And it sounds, it sounds like a good idea in principle. It does, you know, you use a gun in a robbery, you're getting five fucking years. That's it. Like, don't do that. You know, like that is that should It seems to be give, they call it in the, in the criminal code and sentencing. If there's general and specific deterrence and there's goals of when people are being sentenced, the general deterrence, meaning we have to deter the public generally from behaving like this. Um, So it sounds like it works in principle. It's great. That being said, all it's done in California and Texas in particular is serve to incarcerate two generations of visible minorities. Um, it's all it's done. And it disproportionately affects um, poorer populations. Is, it, it's
0: having like an effect like the three-strike law kind of thing?
1: Yeah. That's that. That is your classic mandatory minimum. And mandatory minimums were struck down in you. Canada. Oh, <laughs> well, you didn't? Oh, uh, Okay.
0: um so it's it's seen as unconstitutional um because different extenuating circumstances from one case to another could make them completely different is that basically what it is
1: well it's seen as cruel and unusual punishment and that's a violation of section 12 of the canadian charter of rights and freedoms
0: (laughs) yeah i don't know man pedophiles are getting like three years and stuff you know like I mean, what? Or if there's no mandatory minimum, so so does that mean? But there is, there are crimes that have brackets, though, right? Yes. Like for this particular crime, you can get five to ten years. Isn't that a mandatory minimum? Pardon me. It's just a bracket, you know. Like, but there's a a sentencing
1: bracket. Well, the judge doesn't have to stick within the bracket, and judges don't. You can go
0: below five years if it says five to ten years. Is what. You should get yeah. It. Like, there's no such thing. Like, if the judge can use his discretion and be like, I guess he can't, right? Suspended sentence, one year or whatever. I, I don't know. <laughs> it, it. I'm starting. I'm starting as we're talking about this, and I'm still a little confused. I now understand why people with money often get the best justice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like,
1: <laughs> um, you know that that's and that's maybe fair comment, brother. But like yeah. the fact is, is that we we live in a civilized society. And we've seen examples in the world where they use mandatory minimums on mass and they're not they're not good and they don't have a a positive practical application Um, or at least the results are Uh, not positive. Go ahead.
0: And leaving it to judges um, is interesting to me, because especially when I saw that the uh, Bernardo trial judge, uh, if he wasn't going to be a judge, uh, he was going to go into the priesthood. And I was like, I, knew I find you're that funny because it's, I, it would be I like,
1: were... yeah, <laughs> go, go
0: ahead. It, it, well, it would be like a, a, you know, a guy like, you know, I, it, it, was, it was, I needed to pick two careers that were really close together. So it was like NASA or Alchemy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
0: Yes, they got, they're totally the same. So, you know, you find out that the judge like a judge that's overseeing cases and then you have to, he has to be able to say that he's has impeccable, uh a pit, Impeccable reputation, and he'd he used his biases to the side, and do, do, do. But does anyone really do that? I, I mean, come on, we we don't do that. Like, look at the Supreme Court right now. Like, the, everyone is 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 legislating based on their religion. And I'm not saying this guy did that. I'm just really caring about the headline, which I think is hilarious. Another yeah. judge considered priesthood. I, I just I, I don't know. I find that really funny. Yeah. Chris um, Hadfield
1: or Merlin, like that. You know, <laughs>
0: hey, Chris Hadfield <laughs> stole my children's book. I I hope you recall. So um. You know did he <laughs> okay i'll tell you the quick story because um it's funny i i met him at a book thing that i was selling my book <laughs> and he, it was a children's book uh, and it was about a boy and his dog and i saw chris hadfield we had like a 10 minute moment where we were just talking stuff my dad had just passed away and we were just whatever and i gave him my book and signed it <laughs> and i thought it was funny because he doesn't know who i am right so he took it and he was really gracious and everything and then like a year and a half later, his book came out and we did a clip on the, Dean, on the Dean Blundell show where it showed my page for, and his page for, and it's like a boy and his dog running up the stairs to brush their teeth, a boy and their dog running upstairs to brush their teeth. Oh my and there gosh. was like four pages that were exactly the same floating up in the air. They just changed the context. The dog was almost identical. So it was either really coincidental or the design team was like, fuck the Hatfield book. It's due tomorrow. <laughs> Like, yeah yeah is this for reference just, you know yeah. like, jesus Rob, oh that I'm guy would never know weekend, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. who the fuck is james die for like what yeah. the fuck? No, no one's gonna care about my book um talk about murder fuck the marketing of that cost me a lot um it's terrible <laughs> um listen uh the the first 20 minutes of this podcast i i barely heard a word you were saying because of the tech and i was just smiling and nodding politely Okay. Um, but I think I know what you said most of the time, because when we talked before this, you have a real good way of grasping sort of like the civil rights behind something that's fair and unfair. Like most people that I've talked to, especially journalists, uh, think that the 12 year deal that she got um, based on what happened afterwards and based on what they knew that she did anyways, was really a travesty. Um, And I just wanted to know what your perspective was because as a defense attorney, I know that you guys lean a little bit more towards constitutional rights than than obviously the
1: prosecutor does. As, as we should. There's got to be somebody yes. banging the drum about... Because we're the only ones. It's us and journalists are so the only effective checks against the exercise of state power. Okay? That, that or pick up a gun. Yeah. Okay? Um, and we all know how that turns out. Oh, great. Okay. But, um, you know... Yes. You've got... So... Again, they struck a deal with Carla Homolka before they saw the tapes. This is the fact. Um, she pled out to those crimes, and the deal covered the entire transaction of events. Okay. It would be an abusive right. process to go back and you know, relitigate the matter. It's not appropriate.
0: Okay, let me – let me. can I ask you a question? Is the, what if the evidence was, like, ridiculously – like, what if it was just Carla who did the murders and that's what the tape showed? Like, is it the principle of the when or is it the principle of the what?
1: Um, it's the when and the what, but it, it's also the fact that that the Crown struck a good-faith deal with an accused. And, but she'd already pled out like it was, it was the, the matter, like you, you're getting into concepts of procedural fairness, double jeopardy. Um, and there, there's a charter right that protects you from being prosecuted for the same offense twice. It's like our double jeopardy provision.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I remember the outcry at the time. I, I, I was, I think I was 15 when these murders took place or when he was arrested. I lived in Whitby. And uh, I remember the Scarborough rapist fear, and uh, uh, Paul Bernardo was the was the Scarborough rapist. And I remember like how uh, watershed that story was, how vicious it was. It was like it was crazy. And then I didn't find this out until way after the trial that the Americans dubbed it the Ken and Barbie killers, and they yeah. like merchandise the good-looking, fuck
1: out yeah, they were, like good looking young couple, and like and they were doing this heinous shit. Like this is. This, I mean, this is you know, I I've given the story like I have a really good buddy Ben who's an engineer for the city of Toronto, uh, an environmental engineer, and and he he works on uh, replacing the water systems in Toronto because actually like we're using like 150 year old like uh like there's it's actually quite concerning copper and um, wood yeah and stuff yeah like, like like giant telephone poles hollowed out in the ground like it's it's actually really bad, um, but the work that he does is super important obviously and I realized I was getting old when I stopped getting invited to parties and I started getting invited to dinner parties. So that, I think that's a sign you're getting old. Um, and when we go to these sort of dinner parties, nobody gives a shit what Ben does for a living. Everybody just wants to know what I do for a living, you know? And it's, um, just want to talk about my case. Seriously. Um, just want to talk about my, and it totally feeds my, my internal narcissism. Um, but, um, it nobody but that's why there's all this netflix stuff on you know true crime like half of netflix now is like serial killers and i didn't ever watch it because i get to live this shit um you know and so th- th- there's a there's a fundamental fascination with deviant behavior and that's why i do what i do for a living i love it i, I love the dirt well i
0: mean there's no shortage of like stories for god's sakes. Like. You spend like months just thinking about one case. Um, and you, not, every, sometimes I call you and you're like, uh, "James, I'm in the I'm in the pen penitentiary right now. I need to uh, call you back when I get out of here." I mean, like you you see you you see people desperate and like miserable the whole time. Is there a difference in hindsight between the guy that you, if you've ever met someone who was in prison and they insisted they were innocent and they weren't versus the guy that insisted and he was? is there much of a difference between those two characters that you might not know that in the answer to that question, but I'm just curious.
1: No, it, you can, I mean, you can kind of tell sometimes based on the evidence you get hunches and I'm not, again, I'm not a road scholar. I'm not the best lawyer in the country. I'm not by any means. I don't know if there is such a thing as the best lawyer in the country. There are those who are very, very good. And those who a, are the, a lot of lawyers
0: it. don't rub the shit out of their
1: brow while well, they're being interviewed on air. They don't do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you,
0: um. <laughs> Alan Greenspan. Oh, just one second. I'll answer your
1: question. Uh. <laughs> it's funny. Um, someone uh, described
0: some, you to me once as a, the anti-lawyer. The an, and, and I really like that
1: description, actually. Who said that? I want to know. Were they, they you know, were they nice? Uh, okay, fine. What? I said that to
0: you like last weekend when we saw each other. <laughs> okay. Well, <cool. laughs>
1: um, was that I like? I hope I you did. meant it in a flattering way. Um, you know which but that's no i actually did
0: i I, like you're like a you're like a maverick you know like you're 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 like um you know like the the guy on the on uh, wall street that wears like sandals and a tie-dye shirt but he makes like 16 million a year you know like that guy you don't make that much but you know what i mean like he's part of the ecosystem but he's (laughs) clearly not a native species
1: yeah, no, and and I hey, I'm not listen. I we've had many personal discussions, and and I'm gonna put out my, the story about my personal road on Dean Blundell one day when I when I grow a set, um, much like you did. But um, you know the 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 fact is is like I, I've spent significant parts of my life trying to be something I wasn't, and I never worked out properly. Mm. So like you know, and I'm not the gentleman barrister. I'm just not. Um, oh, and, I know. I know like, yeah. And so it's like, well, just be yourself. Like life's too short to be something you're not.
0: You're absolutely right. But, it, but it is refreshing. It's like people who go into politics, but are not politicians and aren't crazy as well. But like, maybe they're like, um, you know, uh, a fundraiser for like a hospital or something like that. And then, Oh, I'm going to dabble in politics. And they really want to do public service. They're very rare too. Like that doesn't yeah. happen a lot. You know, it, it's usually a self-serving interest kind of thing. Oh, I, um, I, I, I'm gonna leave I, I, it there because um, these tech issues, these tech issues are really subliminal. I can't tell what anyone else is seeing, but um, it's it's really starting to bother me. But um, we'll we'll figure this out. I would just like to let everyone know that Rob had food poisoning the other day, and that's why we didn't do this show the other day. So um, we can just write write your letters to Rob. <laughs> let, let him know that um, that you you demand a better show when we do our next one and we're not, sh- we're going to do the guy that got uh, wrongly convicted,
1: right? We're going to do some wrongful <laughs> convictions, but basically we're going to, we're going to crib off. Um, Christy Blackford wrote a tremendous uh, book called life sentence. And she discusses her time in the Canadian yes. criminal justice system. And we're going to cover that uh, a lot of the cases that she mentions, because uh, both of us love mm. and admire Christy. Um, I miss Christy all the time. Yeah. Whenever I meet some hack journalist, I'm like, God, you couldn't carry her bags. Like just, you know, and, oh, know. you know, it's, um, and she was one of the last vestiges, and I, 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 one of the last vestiges is a fair and minded journalist and she, she you know drank whiskey neat she wore leather jackets and she smoked a pack a day and she was a bad bitch and she took shit from nobody <laughs> and i loved christy um so we're gonna- she was
0: my she was my neighbor in the beaches for a lot or no sorry in the in the annex for many many years uh, and we knew each other really well but when i was like 24 <laughs> i used the line on christy, on, on christy blatchford but it was not a line like like a flirty line I was trying to see if I could like finagle away to a, this is how stupid I was, um, to accompany her to cover the Chinese Olympics. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, so I, I, walk up to her and I'm like, um, Christy, do you need any, you know, um, enthusiastic, uh, you know, somewhat odd looking, uh, assistant to come to you? And I was like failing, obviously she's like, oh, you wouldn't qualify as odd looking James. <laughs> and she smacked my butt and she she jogged away and i was like oh, i love that woman she, yeah. she's so amazing she,
1: yeah she was she was just and but i but also a a a profoundly decent person under, dude
0: she like, w- you think about the conservatives of uh, the journalists right now that are clearly in the tank uh for conservatives and the and oh, the yeah. liberals and there's liberal journalists like that too I can't like, I know she never did this and I can't imagine if she was still with us that she ever would sort of become that partisan journalist because that's her new personal brand. She would never do oh, that.
1: Christy was like double middle fingers out the window to everybody. Like,
0: I know that she, she like, gangster.
1: yeah, like she was a straight up gangster, did her own thing always. And there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. And she, ne- she never backed down. She never backed down.
0: I agree. And um, I think that you just, um, invented our show formula. Cause that would be such a great thing to do uh, just because we love her so much as we take the chapters of her book and, and, and just talk about it. I'll, I'll get in touch with the publisher and see if we can work something out per, per episode or something where they pay us money for no reason at all. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm happy to get, you can take the money. I'm happy to do this. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll have, I'm happy to do this for, for, um, I don't joy need just thinking wor- money, joy just of working a... with you. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the joy of, of, of covering that book, but also the, the, We need to we need to sort of educate the public about what can happen when with these wrongful convictions. And and we have a concerning trend within the criminal justice system right now as we speak. The J.J. decision from the Supreme Court of Canada, which totally, totally fucked over the defense on sexual assault charges. You're going to see wrongful convictions from that.
0: Yeah, that was the thing that mirrored the Title IX legislation. I thought, anyways, in the states about you can't if you're accused of. Isn't the long short of it is if you get accused of a a sexual offense, um, you don't have to know the identity of the accuser or something like that. Like it's a really ridiculous one, isn't
1: it? It's no. It was it has it had everything to do with third party records. Which and basically the worst part of it is this: is that if you have text messages where the complainant. Sends you say the morning after, saying, "Hey, had a great time last night." You know, blah blah blah. Um You can't admit that into evidence without uh having a a, a voir dire or a judge. Is has trauma to
0: in the reason? Is the word trauma in, there?
1: This decision, it's on the floor of my office, which is appropriate <laughs> and poetic um, because it's a that's where fucking belongs um holding up my desk yeah like but i it's a 300 page decision that i still um uh yeah it's 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 just a hot (laughs) bag of shit
0: again as a layman it just seems to run counter and maybe this is the united states but um i thought english common law was the first one to sort of talk like this but where you'd rather let a hundred uh guilty men go than one innocent man put in jail that legislation is like the opposite of that isn't it
1: yes absolutely let's let's if, if you even like that's like i'm telling every guy right now if you have a sexual encounter you're gonna get a waiver signed okay that's what we do
0: or shovel i'm just kidding it was a total joke <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: listen um uh, we are a hybrid show
0: we're an informative and we're funny you're not going to get yeah. disbarred because I made a joke about a shovel. Come on. I'm just working <laughs> on the Home Depot pitch.
1: Yeah, seriously.
0: Uh, James, did you use our shovels for serial killer jokes? Yeah. yeah. Well, was, there, was there a problem with that?
1: <laughs> no idea. Look.
0: Okay. Um, We'll pick one out of the next. Uh, uh, We'll pick one out of Life Sentence by Christy Blatchard, and we'll do that. I love it. Um, Thank you very much, Rob. I know you're not feeling well. I appreciate it. I'm sorry the tech was bad. And uh, we'll regroup in a couple of weeks. And we'll, we'll, we'll figure we'll, it out We'll next. sort You, could, you should yeah. come up to Cream you should come up to Creamore and visit again. I'll be up here for another two weeks.
1: Yeah. I'll Um, we'll sort this yeah. out and we'll sort out the tech issues, mm-hmm. but we'll, we'll have a great, uh, um, th- I'm really excited for this because this is, uh, we can also educate people. Yep. sort of what can happen when, when you get abusive prosecutors, when you get <laughs> bad judges, like, yeah.
0: Yeah. I love it. When defense attorneys talk about judges and prosecutors, it's like the greatest, it's like the Italians talking about the Irish. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> you got- all right, guys. All right, Rob. Thank you very much, buddy. Peace out. Um. Yeah, I, 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 I just got rid of Rob according to my screen, and I get here. I'm still the guy here, so I, I am. Um, I have no idea uh, how this show sounded to you guys, but i sounded okay. And let's see what it day it is. Saturday. On Monday we have Podcast Wizard of Canada or so I've dubbed him. His name is Matt Cundell. And then on Thursday, we have Carmen Driebert. She is a former member of the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church. She's also in bloodline of, uh, I think his name was JP Symington. His last name was Symington. Symington is like a really high up there bloodline in the Brethren. And so she's kind of like a famous one. Like everybody knows who she is. And uh, she broke away from the Brethren a while ago. We're going to have... exclusive that day because uh she's coming with documents and what these documents appear to show is a sort of like analysis of a bunch of uh children including cheryl hope who were put on this list and um all of their personality traits were talked about and the naughty things they did which were silly things like um you know like kid stuff and um when when you look at the document it just looks like a list of kids that may have been potentially abused um because all of them were either excommunicated or kicked out of the church. So if you recall the Catholics, they had an internal policy that was actually written by Pope Benedict himself when he was a Cardinal, when their official policy was don't go to the cops when you find a child rapist, just send him to another church so he can continue raping children. But the, uh, the Plymouth brethren, uh, it, it, and we don't know this for sure, but a just very preliminary look at these documents, um and we haven't proven it but we are starting um in the direction of thinking yeah it looks like these kids were for some reason uh told to leave why would that be and why would cheryl hope's name be in there uh based on um what she says has happened to her so uh we're gonna have carmen to try to sort that out and next week we're gonna have adam scorgie's we documentary culture high and that'll be fun as well so we hope you enjoyed the show we will see you again on monday and thank you for watching blackbomb black 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 black, black 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 blackbomb black 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 blackbomb black 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 blackboard. black, black, black blackbomb Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exume the truth. The podcast Superfriends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers.
1: Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod Six One Seven